0: Welcome to Live Yes with Arthritis from the Arthritis Foundation. You may have arthritis, but it doesn't have you. Here, you'll learn things that can help you improve your life and turn no into yes. This podcast is part of the Live Yes Arthritis Network, a growing community of people like you who really care about conquering arthritis once and for all. Our hosts are arthritis patients Rebecca and Julie, and they're asking the questions you want answers to. Listen in.
1: Welcome to the Live Yes with Arthritis podcast. I'm Rebecca, an occupational therapist living with rheumatoid arthritis and osteoarthritis. And I'm Julie, a JA patient who's passionate about making sure all patients have a voice. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Live Yes with Arthritis podcast. Today, Julie, we are talking about the microbiome and arthritis.
2: That's right. The microbiome. We're getting microscopic with our conversation today. We're not just (laughs) talking about your arthritis or your joints. We are zooming in on gut health and how the microbiome makes an impact on how we experience our arthritis.
1: Yeah, so many people talk about it or are addressing it or changing their diets around (laughs) it or talking about, should I take probiotics? Is this good for me? There's so many questions. I think More than there are answers, and a lot of that has to do with the research that is Mm. being done, thankfully, but really not a whole lot that has evidence to help guide us. So hopefully in this episode, we have two guests who can guide us through understanding our microbiome and its effects, and then what little changes or things that we can do maybe to change our diet that might help us out.
2: We are so glad to have our first guest today, Dr. Arthur Cavanaugh. Dr. Cavanaugh is a professor of medicine and director of the Center for Innovative Therapy at UC San Diego. The Cavanaugh lab conducts clinical research in lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, gout, and psoriatic arthritis. Dr. Cavanaugh received his medical degree at St. Louis University School of Medicine, St. Louis, Missouri and completed his internal medicine residency and allergy immunology fellowship at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas, followed by a rheumatology fellowship at UT Southwestern in Dallas. Dr. Kavanaugh, thanks so much for joining us today. We're excited to talk to you about the microbiome. All right. Thanks
3: for having me.
1: To kick us off, can you just tell us what is the microbiome? And I know a lot of people use microbiome and gut interchangeably, but that's not correct. So can you enlighten us?
3: Well, the microbiome is the aggregation of different microorganisms that kind of share our space. You could think of humans as being kind of a spaceship and there are quite a number of passengers and we often think of microbiome and focus on it in the gut which is a very rich and diverse collection of bacteria and fungi or viruses. But we also have microbiomes pretty much throughout the body. So you will have different microbiome on your skin. Same with mucosal surfaces, the same with the respiratory tract. So all of those are areas in which we share our space with a whole variety of other organisms. and. In fact, if you counted them up, they're more them than us.
2: That's helpful to think about that there are all of these little passengers on our spaceship. Can you talk about how the microbiome affects different aspects of health?
3: We have known about the microbiome for some time and it's really notable that we've only paid a lot of attention to it much more recently. So I think for... Doctors of a certain age, we knew back at that time that one factor that you had to also be careful of was whether or not people used antibiotics. And it was known that a good amount of vitamin K that we are able to obtain comes not from the diet, but from the synthesis from the gut microbiome. So if you had a patient who took antibiotics and you killed a bunch of bacteria that were making some vitamin K for the host, all of a sudden the blood would be thinner than it should have been with all other factors being equal. So that, I think, is, for me, one of our earliest observations on the gut microbiome, certainly. We hadn't paid so, so much attention to it until recently, partly because I think the techniques of identifying the microorganisms are something that has had tremendous progress lately. And therefore, we can identify things that were hard to just culture. You don't just necessarily culture things from deep inside the gut. They don't do very well when you try the growth in the laboratory. So we were not aware of them. So recently, the interest in the microbiome has really taken off due to the progress in techniques to be able to identify the diversity of organisms there.
1: What we are learning from some of the research is that certainly the health of our microbiome can affect all other aspects of our health, how does that relate to arthritis?
3: Unfortunately, the true answer is that we do not know precisely. So there's been some very nice work from investigators across the world in a number of laboratories who have looked, particularly in patients with arthritis, to see if there can be some relationship between the different microorganisms that we have and changes in the microorganisms. And The development or the outcome of people with arthritis. One difficulty with the microbiome is the whole chicken and egg debate. So, did the changes in the microbiome occur and therefore predispose to arthritis or changing disease activity? Or did the arthritis change the immune system and result in changes in the microbiome? That, as you can imagine, is incredibly difficult to sort out. One would need to do some studies, some of which are underway at many universities around the country, to follow people longitudinally and ideally follow people, for example, before they developed arthritis and look at changes in the microbiome and see if maybe they heralded the development of arthritis or did they just reflect the development of arthritis, which changes the immune system and therefore can have an impact on the microbiome. We don't have anything right now to say, well, you better you better watch out for this bug because it's very bad. And it's also, it's quite complicated. It's not just the presence or absence of a single bug. I think one way that you may think about it, it's like a battlefield in there. And bugs are sometimes against each other and sometimes they come to a bit of a draw. And if you disrupt that by, say, an antibiotic or an abrupt change in diet or the development of another disease then maybe one of the groups of bugs gets the upper hand, and that may be important for diseases.
2: It's hard to think about the minuscule factors that can have an impact on your health when you really consider the microbiome being a part of the health of one or two or three or four organ systems. It's really important to think about how each has a cause and effect. I wonder, can you discuss a little bit how behavior changes can affect the microbiome and and what you can do to take control of this part of your body's health.
3: The nervous system interacts in ways that are increasingly complicated with the immune system, both the specific parts of the immune system and the so-called innate parts of the immune system. And we've known for a very long time that people will often say that stress makes their arthritis symptoms worse. And if you see enough patients over enough period of time, I think you know that that certainly can be the case.
1: What about any medication use? Should patients think about minimizing their use of antibiotics or if they have to be on it, is there something that they can do to not impact their microbial health as much?
3: I think that's an important point to discuss everything you would say now is antibiotics are bad, bad, bad. But it also has kept humans alive for many decades longer than than all of us used to live before we had antibiotics because people would get infections and die from as a result of the infection. So I would certainly never suggest don't take antibiotics because it'll upset your gut while you're dying of pneumonia. So (laughs) it's all about the balance. I think many people now are aware that You want to try to minimize the use of antibiotics, but of course, they're life-saving in many circumstances. So it's really all about the balance. Especially with
2: folks who deal with an immunosuppressive slate of medications that they use to treat their arthritis. I, especially when I was a kid, would get sick quite frequently with my juvenile arthritis and then have strep throat or a sinus infection that would require a course of antibiotics. And my mom would always say, okay, let's do the antibiotics, but also you're eating yogurt for a week. We've got to replace some of those microbiome losses. Is there validity to that? Are there things we can do in addition to antibiotic use that can help balance your microbiome?
3: I wish there was something that was very simple like that. Yogurt's great. And there are people who have, for example, disruption in the balance of the bacteria in their gut and have diarrhea, and yogurt and probiotics can help restore that and make it better. But I don't mean to suggest that you got your arthritis because you weren't eating enough yogurt. or if you ate more yogurt, you wouldn't need your new TNF blocking medication which is helping your arthritis. So the diet theres there's certainly something very important to it, but not enough to make a specific blanket recommendation across individual patients. So you know, eating good food certainly makes sense but it's, it's sure hard to pinpoint anything to say everybody ought to avoid other than perhaps being out of balance.
2: And what do you mean by being out
3: of balance? Well, if you ate nothing but yogurt, you probably get some other problems.
2: <laughs> so really working to have a well-built and balanced nutrition plan.
3: That's helpful. Yes, absolutely. I don't want the flip side. I don't want people to take the flip side away like, I developed arthritis because I ate too many potatoes or tomatoes. (laughs) You don't want to be misinterpreted to say that I missed the boat on this and that's why I got arthritis.
1: Yeah. I think people are often just trying to find if there's any little thing they can control since they don't feel like they can control their arthritis. If this is something I can control, then maybe I can change what I put into my diet.
2: Dr. Cavanaugh, can you talk about some things folks can do if they have skin involvement with their disease? Well,
3: skin is a little bit trickier. The skin conditions are quite different one from the other. So psoriasis is a condition where there's immune activation of the skin. The skin gets thicker and scaly. Importantly, even if patients have really very active skin, they don't get cellulitis or infection of the skin. So the barrier function of the skin is intact the immune system in the skin is intact and perhaps even revved up. So treating psoriasis with an eye toward changing the skin microbiome, there's not data to support that, and I'm not sure that there would be. On the other hand, if you have atopic dermatitis, that condition is characterized by bad barrier function, partly genetic of the skin, and super infections are incredibly important. That's why patients with severe atopic dermatitis there is attention directed toward treating the skin with antibiotics or with bleach baths, for example, because the infections help drive the activity of that particular disease. So with skin, it really it depends on the condition. Many people will avoid gluten. And even if the tests for gluten sensitivity were never positive, if they feel better with it, that may be something unrelated to strict immune gluten sensitivity, but it still may be important to them. If they feel better, that's a real thing. And that may well be because they're somehow avoiding those foods has changed their microbiome.
1: That's a good way to look at it because some people will say, like me, I've been tested. I, I don't test positive for gluten sensitivity yet. I know I feel better when I eat less of it. That's right. So this brings me to another question for you people will say, well, I'm going to detox and change my diet and eat all of the things that are good to improve my microbiome. But then I fall off the wagon and I don't sustain that. To really affect your microbiome, this is more of a a lifestyle change versus a diet. Would that be correct to say?
3: Yeah, like all diets, I think the problem with dieting is that you're dieting and all you do is think about food. So if you start counting calories, you can't help but get hungry because you're just Mm -hmm. thinking food, food, food. So it is more of a, you know, people who want to do it, it is sort of a lifestyle change.
2: That's really helpful, Dr. Kavanaugh. Thanks for walking us through so much about the microbiome. If you wanted to give our listeners three key takeaways about arthritis and the microbiome, what would you want them to walk away from this conversation with?
3: No. Keep an eye on the developing information. We're learning more all of the time. <laughs> Recognize that it's not your fault. You didn't get arthritis because you didn't need enough yogurt. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had actually heard and read some people saying, avoid nightshade vegetables and you don't need your arthritis treatment. And as much as anti-inflammatory diets, very interesting. Take those kinds of things with a grain of salt no pun intended, because you know we've come so far otherwise in the treatment of patients with arthritis and getting them so much better than we had years ago.
2: Dr. Kavanaugh, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thank you very much.
0: Want to connect with others who understand what you're going through? The Arthritis Foundation's Live Yes Online Community features forums on specific topics where you can chat with those who know what it's like, including healthcare experts. Or check out our local virtual connect groups for a more personal touch. Sign up at arthritis.org slash liveyes.
1: So now that we've learned a little bit more about the microbiome to understand how it might affect our arthritis, Julie, I think the next thing we need to try to learn about is what can we do about it? How can we change it? Does diet make a difference? And what's the science say? So excited for our next guest.
2: Yeah, definitely. Dr. Monica Guma is a rheumatologist who practices at UC San Diego. The Guma lab studies metabolic changes in cells critical to the way that rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis develop. Her work includes clinical investigations to identify biomarkers that identify patients at high risk for joint damage. We are so excited to get in the weeds with Dr. Guma today. Dr. Guma, thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad to have you here.
4: Thank you so much for the invitation.
1: Tell us a little bit more about you. What started your interest in studying the diet and the microbiome in people with inflammatory arthritis?
4: My lab focuses on metabolic changes and circulating metabolites that can impact inflammation. So we know there is a lot of like research data suggesting that these metabolites can shift, can change the immune response, can maybe change the pain perception. What is important? To change the metabolites in the circulation, one main thing is diet. Probably 60% or 70% of the metabolites that we have circulating in our body comes directly or indirectly from diet. But then the other piece that is actually very important is the microbiome, because depending on how the microbiome will use the ingredients that you are eating, then you will get A, B or C metabolites in the blood. So basically, it's very difficult to try to understand what happens in the circulation without understanding diet and microbiome. So that was why I started. in Inflammatory arthritis is because my research has been always focused on inflammatory arthritis.
2: That's exciting to, to think about that this is so robust an area that it's something that you can dive in and really dedicate your studies to. Rebecca and I talk about this a lot on our podcast. Patients are looking for things that they can control. And diet is something that they can control. You can't always control how your joints are going to feel in the morning or how long you're stiff or you know what you might have to give up that day to accommodate for those lacking spoons, but you can control your diet.
4: Some patients, that really want something quick and they know that changing diet is going to be an effort. Some of the patients that we approach, they say, no, 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 I really want uh, the option of the treatment, of the escalating treatment or changing treatment. Mm-hmm. But other patients, as you said very well, They don't want to depend on if I decide or I don't decide to increase a pill or another pill. So they really want to do something themselves. And these are the ones that they are super motivated to change diet. And that's why we got very good feedback in our trial to to recruit patients. It really
1: has to be a different frame of mind if you're going into this versus just I'm going to tweak a few things and that's it. It really is more of a lifestyle change. I had listened to a rheumatologist talk about diet in one of our connect group meetings last year. And she equated it to because people kept asking questions about probiotics and prebiotics. Mm -hmm. And she said, let me put it this way. The more diverse that you eat, the more diverse your microbiome is. And she showed us a picture and said, if you're only eating one thing, and then you all of a sudden introduce it a new thing for a little bit, it takes time for that to build up. So she showed a picture of a forest with a palm tree in it. And she said, if you're going to take probiotics and then you eat all of those other things that aren't necessarily good and part of the anti-inflammatory type diet, you're really not doing anything. That palm tree is not going to last very long. And so it was a great visual for me to understand that it's not just a one-time fix. It's what you do over a longer period of time. And so I think what you just said really kind of speaks to that. It's not just a quick fix, it's you really have to be dedicated to wanting to really change your lifestyle of eating.
4: So microbiome is really quite fixed in the adults. We don't have a lot of data about how long a shift from the microbiome will stay because there is a lack of really long longitudinal studies. We know that sometimes some kind of like an intervention can shift the microbiome to a, in theory, healthier microbiome, but it, probably it won't last very long, especially if you don't do other things. And these other things can also be sleeping, better exercise. There is a lot of things. It also goes together with the results of our diet trial. Not everybody responded in the same way. And that probably is because of the already fixed microbiome that they had from the beginning. If somebody has more diversity on what they eat, the microbiome is considered healthier. But again, there is no strong evidence that somebody that now is 50 years old, change completely the diet and that microbiome shift is going to stay really long. But if you are giving a better ingredients to that microbiome, at least you can hopefully get the best metabolites no? or the best quality outcomes to improve your disease. So, again, it's a balance between ingredients, microbiome, and metabolites. It will probably like a shape the immune response or will probably like a modify the pain, for instance. So, maybe we cannot really change everything in all the patients, but well, maybe we can change something that will help them improve.
2: That's really helpful. So we can make modifications to the forest, but the forest is going to be something we really have to nurture for a long, long, long time before we see full microbiome results. Mm -hmm. Well, it's helpful to hear a little bit about your research and some of the ways that you understand more about the microbiome. Would you mind giving us an overview on the study that was presented at the 2020 American College of Rheumatology Conference and tell us a little bit more about the
4: is it the itis diet or the itis diet? Itis or itis is a suffix that means inflammation. Mm. It should be like a ITIS, like a free diet, no? Because it would be a diet like free of inflammation. But mm. at the end, when we talk, and it's like a easier to say it is diet or itis diet because I mean it's like a more like a colloquial, okay? Basically, the study that we presented was like a final trial, with only. Many patients and not placebo group so it was just like a proof of concept i think that patients with arthritis they have so much pain and so much functional disability and issues so they had a lot of knowledge but even though without a the knowledge they actually they also had a lot of questions so the idea was that in the first year we basically built this diet trying to put ingredients that they were like a easy to cook like it was feasible you know maybe it's much easy to to make a smoothie in the morning maybe it's more time that you can add vegetables and fruits, maybe it's easier for that patient to eat that and have a lot of, a lot of antioxidants Than not tell them eat a, a salad every day. That maybe it's very boring and they won't do it. So we spent this year first to build what we thought was a feasible diet, getting all the feedback from our patients. And then the second part was the trial itself. So we had a very good motivation. Patients really follow the diet. It was a short trial. It was only two or three weeks of diet. And the adherence was very good. It was easy for them to follow. Of course, it was short. The response was around 50, 60%. A good response. All of them, they could feel more energy and better because they were taking care of themselves and changing diet. They were having no pain or, or no swelling joints. We were not changing the standard of care treatment. So they were like continuing their own treatment. We didn't stop anything. But even if they didn't stop anything and they had the, the disease more or less controlled, they always have. This pain out of 10, I don't know, three or four out of 10, they always have three or four swollen joints, not enough to escalate the therapy, but they are always there. So we had that as a baseline and some of them, they actually went into remission and they were so happy. Some of them, they didn't change the score. Not everybody will respond at the same extent. Right. Right. Yes. And we observed some differences, some differences in how the microbiome goes at the beginning, how the microbiome goes later. If the patients were able to change on the microbiome, the metabolites in the blood, mm. we don't know still enough to anticipate the response, to predict the response. We have to run a large trial, okay. At least some of the messages that we wanted to get from this trial and discuss with our patients were clear, okay? Is a feasible diet, it worked well. But not at the same extent to, for all our patients. And that, of course, maybe is a little bit discouraging for some patients, but at the same time, is more honest and more real. It's like the same as the drugs that we suggest to the patients. Right. It won't be perfect for all our patients.
1: Yeah. So then your research is really kind of reinforcing that the diet isn't a treatment option for autoimmune diseases, even though it does affect our gut health, but it is an option to treat our symptoms and our pain?
4: For most of our patients, diet needs to be seen as something that is a complementary thing that you can control and that probably will help to improve even to get into remission or to decrease the amount of like an aproxen that you need to take because of the pain. Or maybe at some point to help the doctor to de-escalate a little bit the medication. In the first two years, our goal is to bring the patient into remission. That's our guidelines. So we push, 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 and we add, add, add medication. And then after one or two years, we really hope that the patient is almost in remission. And then if they stay stable, we want to try to decrease medication. Our hypothesis, although we haven't proved that yet, is that maybe that is what the diet change is what is going to help. Like when you have the disease stable, hopefully these lifestyle changes helps you to control better the disease either like needing less naproxen, either like maybe at some point decreasing the medication. And that's what we think about diet as a complementary treatment.
2: Well, it's helpful because it's not this magic bullet that's going to transform every element of your life for the vast majority of people when they're figuring out the right combination of things that they can do to treat their arthritis. But if you are going to focus a little bit of your energy on an itis diet, thinking about how you can control your inflammation. Let's talk a little bit about what is helpful and what is harmful when it comes to particular foods. Are there things that are always on your grocery list, Monica, that you think, oh, this is an anti-inflammatory win. I'm going to go for this one every time.
4: So something that uh, Rebecca mentioned before is actually very helpful regarding diversity and variety. So it's not so much about going and the grocery store and and, okay, I'm going to eat salad and I'm going to eat that kind of lettuce no that is not so important it's more important about okay let's be much more uh, diverse and most of the antioxidants and anti-inflammatory ingredients are in all these fruits and vegetables that there are so many now in the grocery stores that you can you cannot get bored you know like you you need to use all these ingredients together and be able to increase your diversity some of the things that we don't really use a lot like the spices and more like seeds that is easy to add in all these like salads or when you cook. They also have a lot of like anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties. So that's why other people like the turmeric, olive oil, chia seeds. They are actually very easy to introduce as a positive and anti-inflammatory things. The pro-inflammatory ingredients are more interesting because not everybody responds at the same extent to a pro-inflammatory ingredient. So there is a lot of debate about gluten mm. and milk. So in our diet we decided to not to completely remove anything. So it was like a more feasible, but gluten and milk and red meat, we try to decrease as much as possible. But we also know that some patients, they tell you, I actually noticed that if I eat bread or gluten or pastries, I have a flare the next day. But if I eat like a hamburgers, I don't have any flare. Well, your own body is also telling you that maybe in your particular case, gluten is important, but maybe not other ingredients are going to be pro-inflammatory. So again, we go back to, if you really want to try a diet, I think it's better to eliminate the more classical things, but it doesn't mean that once you feel that you are doing well, you can add some of these ingredients. Maybe in your particular case, it's not harmful. So Some flexibility is also important. Overall, if you increase the variety and you increase the omega-3, as we know, with avocado, fish, seeds, we decrease the um, pro-inflammatory gluten, milk. Overall, the patients, they found that the diet was feasible and easy to, to follow. So I think that it's not so difficult to change a little bit the habits. That is what we try here, to change the habits to a more healthy diet.
0: The Arthritis Foundation counts on listeners like you to support the many resources we provide to help people with arthritis live their best life despite all the challenges. Resources like this podcast and much more. Your gift goes a long way. Please give generously at arthritis.org slash donate. Every dollar makes a difference.
1: So we hear about anti-inflammatory foods to eat, especially when you're talking about microbiome, people will talk about adding miso or Mm -hmm. yogurt or like sauerkraut, things like that. Fermented foods. Yeah, fermented foods. Is that also part of this itis diet?
4: Yeah, we, we actually did that. We added probiotics, we added miso, and we added yogurt. As we discussed before, there is no evidence that these probiotics are going to ship the, the microbiome in a longer run, like a really like a long term, okay? So that's why we have to be very cautious with our results. We were not only so much thinking about we're going to ship the microbiome, it was more about, okay, we're going to, to give some healthy microbes, we don't know for how long they will stay there, but if at the same time we're giving them the right diet with the right ingredients, we are like trying to give them the right microbes as well. But Again, all these things, they were hypotheses because you would need really randomized trials for each ingredient. You would need really, okay, let's give to a few persons miso and a few persons nothing and then follow for three months and that for each ingredient. Okay, now let's do it with a chia seed or with a curcuma. So at some point, I hope that people that does these big trials to answer these questions, but so far we have very limited data about that.
2: It's good to think about all of the research that's being done to provide evidence for how diet can inform our arthritis experience. But it's also helpful to remember that patients are themselves their own arthritis experiment. And so it can be helpful to eliminate and think about, well, maybe that hamburger is okay, but that croissant is not. And what can I do to eat the right kind of gluten for me or the right kind of diet for me?
1: We talked about diversity of our microbiome, but when people ask, so, How do we restore microbial diversity and correct any imbalances of good versus bad bacteria that we might have in our gut? Is there anything you can suggest on that?
4: Basically, when you have a lot of trees that you were discussing before with the forest, okay, sometimes one tree, for whatever reason, can really get all the nutrients and then grow much more than the others. And if that one is the bad bacteria, that is bad, okay? But if you are able to give nutrients to the other trees, They will now grow the same, and then the bad bacteria will be like at the same level as the rest. So, even though it's difficult to to make that tree disappear, okay, it's very difficult to to make that bacteria disappear. Very difficult. You can probably, with changes in diet, you can probably make all the bacteria like a more homogeneous, and you don't have that one uh, that that is like a much more abundant than the other one. That that is a theory, but again. It probably won't work with everybody. Okay, for some patients they will have a such fixed microbiome. Another thing is uh, strong or more aggressive approaches. That is the fecal transplant. It's true that for some uh, diseases and that goes back with the tree that. When you have like a, the Clostridium difficile is a good example. You have one bacteria that is very pathogenic and really like a grows, 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 grows in abundance and everything else is almost disappears. So in those patients has been tested that if you deplete all the microbiome with antibiotics, then you put a healthy uh, microbiome that is a fecal transplant. Hopefully you can really like restore the microbiome to fight, okay, to slow down, that crazy bacteria. But we are talking about something that we do because having this pathogenic bacteria is very unhealthy. Is really a disease. If that really would be a good option for our diseases, we still don't know. But some arthritis are really very severe. All our diseases, they always have a percentage of maybe 5%, 10%, where the disease is really very, very severe. So if that can really be a real treatment for this particular subgroup maybe okay but not i wouldn't really say that that is going to be for the general population because of depleting a uh, microbiome with antibiotics and all these things they also have a lot of consequences
1: so is it better then to treat your microbiome with food or with supplements if you're talking about like the probiotics and prebiotics
4: it will be always better food because you are only adding, for instance, a different kind of vegetable or spinach or something that you you have never eaten before or not very common, you are probably adding 10 or 12 or 14 different ingredients in abundance that you didn't eat before. You cannot take so much supplements because you cannot really eat 100 different supplements. That is all these different ingredients and fecal elements and a lot of unique ingredients and nutrients that you, you are getting from food. So is by far much better changing the diet as much as you can. Maybe a strict diet is very difficult, but a feasible diet that changes some of the habits, of course, you have to be motivated. That's obvious, okay? But our experience is that it was possible and it was not difficult. And then, of course, you always have something that you really want to eat no matter what. You really want to eat, I don't know, some pastry, some croissant. Okay, you can do it once in a while, doesn't matter because you are changing the habits and you are introducing that viability that is really the key here. So change the habits and then you still can eat some of your favorite foods once in a while, but don't do it every day. And with that, you slowly are changing and you are improving your lifestyle and hopefully the control of your disease. So
1: Monica, I know that oftentimes people will spend a lot of money buying supplements like probiotics. I know they are not cheap to buy and there's different levels and it's hard to understand, do I get the ones that are refrigerated or not? And it can be very costly. So since you're saying that it's better to address it through food, would it be money better spent if we spent that money on the supplements on the food?
4: If I would have to choose, I would probably like to choose, okay, let's get a much better food, much better ingredients. Let's get much more variety because in the long run, it's going to be a better outcome than probiotics. With that, I don't mean that in some patients, probiotics won't help. Everybody needs to try, if they want, But again, reasonable time, reasonable price and being very honest about what they feel. And then maybe they can try the other option that is actually changing diet. Okay. And then they can have their own experience about, okay, well, maybe only adding a salad every day I'm getting the same results than taking the probiotics or maybe I'm getting better results.
1: Thank you for that. I think I hear that a lot in everything you've said is that if you're going to try something, give it enough time. But it's Mm -hmm. hard when you're doing something like this to try all of it at once because then you don't know which, which food ingredient is helping you more than the others.
2: And we know it can be difficult when we're saying try to spend your $75 at the grocery store on good vegetables versus on a supplement but at the Arthritis Foundation, we're committed to helping guide you to those things. So we're going to have an amazing ebook coming out in addition to this episode that can guide you through some of the anti inflammatory foods that can improve your microbiome's health. So if you're not sure where to start, keep an eye out for that ebook. I'm sure it'll be in our show notes after the episode.
0: Learn all you can about how arthritis can affect your everyday life and what you can do to take control. Our webinars are eye-opening and will help keep you on top of what you want to know. On demand, on target, and with you in mind. Check out arthritis.org slash events slash webinars.
2: Monica, it's very helpful to think about how we can shift those habits, take control of our disease, and really start to be considerate of our microbiome with how we nurture our bodies. Thank you. If you were going to wrap us up today with your top three takeaways that you want to make sure our patients, our listeners, our caregivers can take with them, what would those three things be?
4: I think one thing is that, of course, a healthy diet is going to help in general. I mean, not only in arthritis. I think that we need to to be much more aware of our health and that not everything is able to be treated with pills. and that this is not the way to go. You also have to be aware that how you're going to respond to any change that you introduce. It can be very variable between patients, between friends, between colleagues, okay? So not because something worked in somebody else or maybe some friend or some relative is going to work in your case. You can try, but you have to be aware of that. And you need to be sure that you have your disease control, especially in arthritis, where if you don't go to follow up the doctor, whatever, you can simply like a progression of the disease and you can come one day without bone damage and the following day, the X-rays is showing bone damage. So it's very important that people is aware that they need to control the arthritis and then they can discuss with their doctor about complementary treatments like a diet.
1: Thank you. That's a good message. Yeah. Thank you so
4: much. Yeah. Thanks so much for the invitation again.
0: This Live Yes with Arthritis podcast was brought to you by the trusted experts of the Arthritis Foundation. We're bringing together leaders in the arthritis community to help you make a difference in your own life in ways that make sense. You may have arthritis, but it doesn't have you. The content in this episode was developed independently by the Arthritis Foundation. Go to arthritis.org slash Livy Podcast for episodes and show notes. And stay in touch.